When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the Girls and Boys NSAA High School Soccer Championships from Morrison Stadium at Creighton University. Tuesday, May 14th, see Class B Boys at 5.30 p.m. Central and Class A Boys at 8 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. Three-pointer short from Justin Edwards. Airball. They will yell airball as McCullough feeds a rolling Adams at the rim for the alley-oop slam. Timeout called by John Calipari. And Kansas is back within four. Kolick now attacking into the corner. Cam Jones won't take the open three. Now drives baseline. Still working on that to the basket. Scoop is good. And he got one. There's Proctor running some time off the clock. Dribbling to the right. Six to shoot. Finds Foster again. Right wing three goes down again. Four triples for Caleb Foster, the freshman. Kicking off our number two here on Herd at Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula, Andrew Rogers here with me as well. We are joined now by C.L. Brown. He's a columnist for the Louisville Courier Journal covering college basketball. C.L., how are you doing this morning? Doing well. Appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. You know, it's been a, a fun start to the college basketball season so far. Uh, I really like this time of year where they start getting those more high-profile matchups. We saw uh, Kansas-Kentucky the other night, Marquette-Illinois. Um, in these kind of high-profile games, who's impressed you the most so far this year? That's a good question. I would probably say uh, Marquette was was impressive. Illinois is a very tough place to play for, for you know, teams uh, that don't go there on a regular basis, especially and um, I just think that, you know, they showed a lot of poise. Um, uh, the point guard, Tyler Kolick, showed a lot of heart because, you know, from the reports of it, Marcus, uh, not Marcus Smart, Shaka Smart didn't even know he was going to be able to play. Um, and his ankle was supposedly all blue and black, but he powered through it for like, what, 24 points I think he had in that mm-hmm. game. So um, I, I, I like the pieces that they had. They had a lot of guys returning and, uh, I'll say this till March. I'm always big on on uh, point guards being the difference makers. When, you know, when it comes down to it, to reaching Final Fours and everything in college basketball. So I I, I liked what Marquette did uh, this week. So speaking of point guards, 
there's another one in the Big East that's pretty good and very new to a team, and that's Stephen Ashworth. Do you think he is that guy that can elevate this Creighton bunch along with, you know, the other pieces that they have to get to the Final Four and make a run? Well, um, I haven't seen him live ever, <laughs> which, which also helps. But, um, no, I, I mean, I, I also thought that uh, that Creighton certainly got a lot of pieces in. And, and I have the theory in, in sports in general that you kind of have to lose at a big level before you can win at that level. And I think last year um, their run and, and losing that heartbreaker to San Diego State uh, I, I think that bodes well for all the pieces they have returning, you know, to, to kind of understand what it takes to get over that hump. So uh, the, the only thing I probably worry about with Ashworth is long term, you know, I mean, it, it, he did make a bit of a jump up in level coming from Utah State. So, um, you know, I mean, he'll, he'll have a season's worth of the Big East to kind of get acclimated, but... Uh, it, it's I hate to say it's Trey Alexander's team, but you know I, I definitely feel like uh, Creighton's fate will go as Trey Alexander goes. Yeah, no, you don't have to hate to say that. That that's accurate. Um, <laughs> that's I think that I think that's uh, dead on uh, your read there. Um, I've I've been curious about uh, how people outside of Duke view uh, the job that John Shire's done since taking over there. Obviously, he got. Uh, I believe a big extension recently. He's been putting together incredible recruiting classes, and then they had that nice win yesterday against Michigan State. What have been your thoughts on John Shire and Duke in the post-Coach K era? Well, I, I kind of feel like he's he's checking all the boxes he has to check, but we have to see it on the court. Like, I, I kind of felt like he might have got a bit of a pass last year. There there wasn't heavy criticism of him because, you know, they were able to win the ACC tournament, and, and that's how the, the ACC crowns its champion. So, you know, you can hang a banner on that. Mm-hmm. But they, they were so injured during the year, just different pieces at different times. It, it seemed like they were never playing with their completely, you know, full roster. But ultimately, he's going to be judged by the postseason. Like, all, all of this is nice, the start that they have and, you know, the, the, um, the recruits that he's signed. They, he's definitely kept it at that high level. But, you know, if they don't make it out of the first weekend this year, then it, it, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> um, now, I don't think it'll be at the level where he gets really uncomfortable by it and, and there's such an uproar about it, but it's gonna put, it would put a lot of pressure into season three for him uh, because, you know, they haven't, they, ultimately they're judged on Final Fours and national championships and he'll be judged the same way regardless of, you know, how much experience he has or has, doesn't have. Uh, sticking in the ACC and the state of North Carolina, and frankly, teams that are judged by Final Fours. A team that came up really short last year was North Carolina, came in with a ton of expectations, fell flat on their face. Um, what do you think their ability is to bounce back this year in a post-Caleb Love world? Yeah, I, I honestly think 
it probably helped a little to to have so many of the guys from last year um, not return. <laughs> Frankly, <laughs> I, I think they kind of just needed a fresh start. Both both individuals like Caleb and you know Hubert Davis and and his staff, uh, because. You know, I mean, it, these are still players he inherited from Roy Williams, which, you know, is good and bad. It's it's good in the sense that they're veteran guys, but it's bad in the sense that Hubert hasn't really uh, – he hasn't been cooking with all of his own ingredients. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Guys that he went out and, and recruited and signed and selected. So um, this team has a lot more of that influence with the transfers they got in. I really like Harrison Ingram. The uh, Stanford transfer for for them, I think he could have a big year. Uh, but yeah, Hubert Hubert definitely is is still in a little pinch. I think he has a lot to prove this year, um, starting with just <laughs> the rotation. Like he's got, they had talent last year that he just didn't play enough. Um, and you know he talked a lot about using the bench, but he didn't really implement that. So they they've got a lot of talent this year too. Um, so I, I think a lot of eyes are on just how he's going to actually coach this team. CL, they're currently 19th in the polls, but one of my favorites to make the Final Four this year is Texas, a team built to take that leap forward, destined for a trip to Phoenix. Are you saying are they destined? Yes, are, are, are they a team that's destined for a trip to Phoenix? I don't know about destined, but... Um, I do like Tyree Hunter. We know. Let's go back starting with point guards and and uh, and Max Abum, um, uh, Abmus. I'm sorry. Um, they're kind of interchangeable, you know. And that, I think that's a lot. Uh, that gives them a lot to work with. I'm actually going to get to see them on Sunday in person. I'm going up to New York for the uh, Empire Classic. So Louisville will, will play them in the first game in UConn and. Indiana play in the game and the winners play on Monday. Um, I don't think I'll be in the winners game. (laughs) That's another story. Um, But yes, yes, I think, you know, Rodney Terry in year two, even though he's an experienced head coach, I think there are a lot of situations of guys like John Shire, like uh, 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 Kenny Payne here in Louisville, like, uh, Neptune at Villanova. A lot of guys in year two of their current jobs, um, people are really, you know, <laughs> the microscope is going to be on even though it's, it's, they, they're they new into the tenure because I, I, uh, I don't think the leash is very long. But obviously getting to the Elite Eight last year with Rodney Terry um, and solidifying himself as the, the head coach and removing that interim tag was, was big for Texas. So, it's a little bit different when you're playing under expectations, though. So we'll we'll see how those guys handle that. Yeah, quick follow up with that uh, with that Texas point. Uh, how contingent do you think it is on Dylan Mitchell taking that next step? Because he was somebody last year that all eyes were on. I mean, it seemed like NBA scouts were just in the seats constantly to watch him play, and he never really showed much. It was more of just like, oh, I'll get four, six points a game and maybe a few rebounds. Yeah, I definitely think it's it's the consistency with him. Um, you know, it's he was a bit of a, uh, his talent kind of teased you. You know, you would see it in spots, um, but you never really, I, I never really felt like I got 
what he, he he was projected to be and and saw him with his his full potential um although i do think if i remember correctly i do think one of the double figures games he had scoring was against creighton uh earlier in the year last year uh when texas won that game but yeah he, he'll he be a key figure for them um as well uh and and the good thing though is i do think they have enough pieces to where you know, if he does continue kind of that up and down uh, to to play with a, a little inconsistency, they they have enough that you know they can get over the hump. I don't I don't think that team will be reliant on him coming around, but it sure will help <laughs> if they really want to, you know, uh, if, if they're really going to make a run to the final four. Uh, CL, one of the teams that I kind of constantly wonder about, especially considering their flame out in the NCAA tournament last year is Purdue. Obviously they've got super high expectations coming into this year. They return, you know, probably the favorite for the national player of the year in Zach Eady. How, how do you feel about Purdue coming into the season, considering how last season ended for them? Man, I, I really like Mount Painter and I really hope that they get over the hump, but they're a team just given this recent track record that they just have to prove it. Um, I think one of the things with with Purdue that I feel like Painter is is exceptional at is getting them to uh, they they kind of peak early to me. Like he he gets them to play at a high level early in the season. And I think two years ago uh, the twenty twenty two season when they lost to Saint uh, Saint Peter in the in the uh, NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. I felt like that team, with no question, was a Final Four team. I remember seeing them when they played North Carolina um, in Uncasville at a at a tournament um, uh, at the casino, and they just that was a high level game, and you know Purdue was was playing running on all cylinders in like November. But Painter's got to figure out a way to hit the reset button, you know, for the postseason for those guys because I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on them uh, regardless of whatever they achieve. If they win another Big Ten title or whatever in the regular season, it's really going to come down to, all right, you guys got to show us because these last two years in the postseason, you know, I don't, I don't want to say it's been a failure because they've been so good, but they they need to have the postseason success to match what they're doing during the regular season. CL, you've gotten a chance to watch most most of these teams match up against other top teams in the country right now, at least those in the top 25. Kansas is the current number one team in the country, showed incredible resilience Tuesday night to come back and beat Kentucky. Have they been the most impressive team for you early on, or is there another team that gets your vote? Oh, wow. That's another good question because <laughs> the funny thing about Kansas was I was very impressed till I saw them in person. Just because I thought they let Kentucky play with them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I felt like they were clearly the better team, and they showed that in the second half. You know, um, and Kentucky kind of fed into it by, by making some, you know, young mistakes with the team that they have, but uh, yeah, I, because you're not going to be able to just turn it on and turn it off when you're playing against a veteran team, and and you know, I thought Kansas kind of did that for whatever reason, 
but they they too they have so many guys that can hurt you. I mean, I I thought the funny thing about um, the Champions Classic game was Hunter Dickinson to me was kind of struggling earlier, and then you look up and he has twenty seven and twenty one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you know, I I I think that I, I would have to say, even though I, I guess my expectations for for Kansas was a bit higher, but I would say they probably are uh, the, the most complete team that I've seen so far. Uh, see, all kind of on the other side of that coin, is there a team either you've seen or just kind of been keeping an eye on that's maybe highly regarded right now that you expect to regress as the season goes on compared to what their expectations are? Oh wow, um, that's a good question because I, I, uh, I, I can't even answer that. I, I don't know that there is a team right now that uh, you want me to be a hater, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want you to be a realist. I want you to be a realist. Just you know, like for instance, well, for I'll, me, like I'll I'll give you one for me, and then maybe you because Ravi is a hater. Yeah, because I'm I'm a I'm an unapologetic <laughs> hater. Like I. I know UConn has a ton of talent, but they lost three really key guys from that national championship yeah. team. Do I think they're still going to be really good this year? Yeah, absolutely. Do I think they're you know, a top five, top ten team? I, I'm not totally sure about that yet. So that's kind of what I mean. That's not You don't have to be a hater. Just maybe a little, yeah. bring it back to reality a little bit. Well, I'll, I'll keep it close to home. I will say Kentucky right now because I think that – they do obviously have all these phenomenal freshmen and, and who are uber talented, but um, and they even got guys who aren't playing yet, like mainly Aaron Bradshaw, the seven footer, um, who who's been injured and, and hasn't played yet this year. But I just think they're they're too young where it matters, and and I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> your listeners are gonna hate me keep talking about point guards. <laughs> the point guard plays. And right now, Calipari's playing DJ Wagner. He's starting at point. And, I, I, you know, I don't know what kind of recruiting promises or what have you that were made to him. He's not a point guard. Like, it's, it's evident he's not a point guard. The team runs better when Rob Billingham or uh, Reed Shepard is playing on ball. And he moved DJ off the ball. And he struggled the other night as well uh, against Kansas. Um I just think you got to free him up on the wing and let him do his thing there instead of trying to force this, you know, square peg in a round hole. <laughs> but um, I, I, I just I don't trust Kentucky. I think they're going to play. They're going to have a fun style this year. Um, Trey Mitchell does so much for them at, at power forward, and then he played the five the other night because they they don't have any of their seven footers. But uh, they shot 38 threes, which was the most in you know during Calipari's tenure at UK, and they're they're gonna keep launching threes. They're gonna look a lot more run a lot more of a modern offense than they have in in the recent past, and uh, so they'll be fun to watch. And I think they'll be tantalizing, but I think when it comes down to it, they're they're too young, and they're gonna rely on the three too much, and that's it, it's not gonna pop when they're in a road environment, especially. Um, you know, they might struggle. And they struggled the other night. I think they were 3-for-20 in the second half against Kansas, which, which kind of led to, you know, them losing that lead and, and the comeback. So, uh, yeah, K- Kentucky is the team I'm skeptical about. 
CL, we'll get you out of here on this. The Maui Invitational is right around the corner. What are you looking forward to in this event, arguably featuring the top teams in the Big 12, SEC, Big East, and Big 10? You know what? I'm not even sure who all is in the Maui this year. I, I haven't looked. I'm sorry. Well, well you got KU. Um, I think Tennessee's in there. Um, that's who I would factor in as the top team in the SEC. That could be argued if, you, if you'd like. Yeah. Big East is Marquette, and Purdue is in the, the Big Ten spot there. Um, but just, just a ton of juggernauts. So just you know, having them all together, maybe, maybe spin it this way. What can, a, what can a strength of schedule like that do for some of those teams um, early on in the year? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it'll be a great barometer as to, you know, it, it, it will uh, be a, a litmus test to see who really is, you know, tough. I do think Tennessee, you know, going in, winning in Wisconsin, uh, the way they did, scoring 80 in at, at the Cold Center. You don't see that too often just with the, the pace of play and the, the way Wisconsin generally is on defense. And uh, their their transfer from Northern Colorado, uh, Dalton Neck, uh, he's he's <laughs> he's the truth. I mean, I, you know, again, when you kind of play up in level, a lot of times it's like, well, let's see how he can do it here, you know. And uh, he had a huge game, 24 points. I think he's leading Tennessee in in scoring right now. So. I'm I'm curious to see him run through that juggernaut, but I, I uh, of of teams in the Maui, but uh, I do think Tennessee is is definitely a team to watch too that uh, that we didn't talk about before, but uh, we'll we'll see how they how it all pans out in the uh, in the Maui. That is C. L. Brown. He is a columnist for the Louisville. Courier Journal. Journal, CL, we appreciate your time. It was good to talk to you. We'll uh, catch up with you again soon. Oh, CL, quickly, who's your favorite position on the basketball court? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know know it's all about centers. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it. All right, y'all take care. That's C.L. Brown here for the big men out here. No, uh, loves <laughs> loves those point guards. Good stuff there uh, from C.L. Brown of the Louisville Courier Journal. Uh, you know, there's – I am that Maui Invitational field is stacked. It is. That's, um, a, that's a great field I, this year. I, I'm right when I say that that's the top – you have the top team in the Big 12, SEC, Big East, and Big 10, correct? Like Tennessee is the top team in the SEC, right? Yes, I believe so. I'm not sure rankings-wise if that is true. Yeah, they're eighth. So, yeah, they're the best team in the, in the SEC. Yeah, I mean, that's um, just a juggernaut of a field. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, you've got – you could probably make an argument. Some people like A&M or Arkansas a little bit better than, than Tennessee. But um, I, I think you could easily make the argument that you've got the best team, like you said, SEC, uh, Big East – Big Ten, Big Twelve, That's crazy, um, and, all in one place. And then, oh yeah, you also have Gonzaga, UCLA, and Syracuse. Hey, don't forget about Chaminade. They're there too. Hey, we love Chaminade out there. <laughs> Owner of the probably the greatest upset in college basketball history, Chaminade. Yeah, and so back in the eighties, not the Golden Retrievers. No, we lo- although we do love us at UMBC. <laughs> um, what about FDU? No, so the so Chaminade back when they started this tournament, it was literally held on their like D three campus. It's still held in a very small gym, uh, but it was on. They were they were an, actually an NAI school mm-hmm. back in. I want to say it was like eighty three, but Virginia came down there 
They had the best. They were, of course, it was Virginia. They were well, right. <laughs> so they were the number one team in the country. They had the they had Ralph Sampson, who was like a two or three time. I think he was a two time reigning national player of the year. Was going to win it a third time that year, and they got upset by an NAI team. The number one basketball team in the country in Division One got upset by an NAI team. I'm, I'm looking at the story right now. That's crazy. It is. I mean, I think it's it's borderline one of the biggest upsets in guess sports many, history. Guess how many students were in the school at that time? At I think it was time. like 1,500. Uh, try under 900. Oh, there you go. It might be 1,500 <laughs> now. It's the I sample saw, size to choose from for Chaminade back then. Not great. wasn't as great as Virginia, right? Uh, so yeah, it's it's one of the biggest upsets in sports history, and it kind of just. Falls by the wayside because there was this weird is thing there a that doc happened. On it? Is there a documentary? On I it? don't think so. Um, there should be. It would be incredible. But um, if there is a documentary and you've heard of it, let us know because I I would watch that documentary. The article: Virginia stunned by NAIA team. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Like, listen, I I've been the NAIA team playing Division One schools. That doesn't. That's not yeah, supposed not, to happen. And we've not, never played the number one team in the country. That's D two schools aren't supposed to be D one schools either. And we're seeing that. At, yeah, it's more likely yeah. than an NAIA it's school. It's true. But way back when, like this. Woo. What year is that? 83? 82. 82, okay. It was tied 43-43 at halftime. Imagine going into the locker room and you're tied with an NAIA school and thinking, oh, we're still good. We'll be fine. We're, we're, we'll heat back fine. up. Spoiler alert, they were not fine. What was the final of that game? I don't know. I, I just know the Chaminade won. That's their claim to fame. It's Chaminade over Virginia, 1982. Uh, coming up next, we're halfway through the show. We will get to a little bit of Hurt at Hot Seat mm. here on Hurt at Sports Radio.